Welcome back to another episode of Behind the Bench with Carter Eccles. This is episode 70. I am your host, Carter E., joined as always by my producer, Jeff Mulvihill Jr. of InstaImage.com. Jeff, can you believe we've done 70 episodes of this podcast? No, I was, you said that number, <laughs> I'm like, wow, really? Wow, okay. Well, I think we've recorded in six or seven different places now at this point, roughly. I guess if you count doing like over the computer. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, more than that. Yeah, I guess with the interviews and stuff, it's been yeah, it's been a good road uh, so far. Got got plenty of results for you guys uh, here today. We'll get some get some uh, coach and player interviews coming up here as we've now officially kind of, I guess, pulled back the curtain on the spring season. More more like pulled back the rain curtain on the spring season. Uh, but of course, before we get into that, I would like to thank today's title sponsor. That is Play It Again Sports. The best place to go for all your new and gently used sporting equipment needs. Play It Again Sports is located in the Topsy Lane Shopping Center. Check them out today or online at www.playitagainsports.com. Um, quite a busy slate this week with baseball. Um, I know Dayton baseball is up at Barino Aces Stadium today, as in Tuesday. We're recording this Tuesday morning just for what it's worth. Uh, Douglas baseball's got three home games. Carson baseball is going to try to get in a home game at the end of this this week. Um, we got softball games coming up toward the end of this week after uh, you know both softball teams took a, took a break there. And I know Sierra Lutheran's got a slew of home games this week as well for baseball. So anybody locally trying to get out and catch some uh, high school baseball action, this is the week to do it. Assuming you can um, avoid some of this rain, I think it's only projected for today though. Uh, but of course, before I dive into uh, any more baseball results, would like to uh, run through some of the track results we had from Carson High's league meet this past weekend. Of course, it's the the second meet in a row at, at Carson High, but this one uh, has more has more weight, I guess, as far as uh, what the the coaches are seeing. And of course, you know, with as much weather as we've talked about, some of that I guess is still kind of easing into to this season and you're seeing a lot of PRs as kids really get used to coming out and, you know, running over and over again, a uh, PR being personal record for those of you unfamiliar with uh, track. Do they have a league, there. a league championship? Yes. Yeah, it it's just, just based the, off the, regionals though. Okay. So it's not, there isn't like a regular season okay. um, title, so to speak. Douglas high boys won the uh, event as a team. They ended with uh, 56 team points, besting Spanish Springs with 49. AJ Thurston won the 100-meter dash for the second weekend in a row. Um, Connor Jackson and Joshua Nelson were third and fourth in the 100 as well. Definitely some other good results here. Kevin O'Connell sent a personal record in the 400, taking second place. Several Tiger runners on the boys' side were in the top five in the 800. On the girls' side, you're seeing it again in the in the throws where Sophie uh, Marshut and Megan Strand are going one two pretty much week in and week out in the discus and shot put. Um, this hap- this past weekend, it happened to be Sophie uh, Marshut who won both events at the shot put and the discus with a throw of 31 feet one and three quarters inches in the discus or in the shot put, excuse me, and then a 93 foot seven inch throw in the discus. Looking at the Carson side of things, I kind of bounce back and forth here real quickly, but something that I mean, you're going to continue to see because they're all young, but you see that Carson cross country team kind of drift over into the, the track and field side and obviously they're coming off a state title in cross country with mostly freshmen and sophomore. You look at that 3200 run and while you see Galena's uh, Eleanor Raker win it, 
then you, of course you go, you know, Carson, 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 Carson. After that, um, between uh, Hannah Budd, Ginny Ponzak, Vea Minor, Madison Hager, Brianna Rodriguez Nunez, two, three, four, five, six. So uh, picking up a lot of a lot of points in the in the distance. Uh, side of things on the boys side for the senators sawyer macy had a solid performance in the uh 3200 and the 1600 winning both of those if i'm not mistaken tristan rutledge cruised to a first place finish in the 800 i will say as the photographer here you go to that far corner and get some of the the mountains in the background with some snow turned out to be photos i kind of i kind of liked you'll see one of those in uh, wednesday's edition of the nevada appeal but a lot of good, a lot of good results in the, in the track side of things. It's always, for me, the most fascinating part about track and field is watching those times and marks for throws or jumps or what have you in the, in the field events improve in over the course of the season, and you you can really see that growth in a very straightforward way. Whereas you know soccer, for instance, you can have a good game and then a bad game, and and that can be true for track and field too, but. Uh, it's not necessarily as straightforward, right? When you've got, you know, let's say you're running a five minute mile. I don't know. You can see very easily that that five minute gets cut to 457 and then a 454 and then a 451 versus, you know, soccer where 2112, And you're like, you know, for an outsider's perspective, you're like, wait, where are we? Right. Where, where are they sitting right now? Uh, tracks a little more, a little more straightforward though. I will say that you talk to talk to some of these kids who have, you know, experience running and, while they may post a faster time, it may not feel like their their best race necessarily. But like I said, as as the season really starts to get into the thick of things here, those those times and results are going to continue uh, ramping up for for both sides of things there, and and some names are going to continue to to show up in the paper because that's just that's just how it goes. You can tell who's who's kind of uh, got some of those events kind of locked down. That's definitely something to to keep an eye on as the year goes. Of course, track and field now has got a few meets out in Reno before they return for uh, the Big George invite at Douglas um, here in April. And then I believe Carson's got one more meet right toward the end of the year before they uh, finish up with regionals there. Is regionals at Reed this year? Regionals this year at Reed, May 6, 12, and 13. Preliminary and then? Maybe. You know, let's see. Oh, that's... Yeah, preliminary Saturday, May 6th with the championships Friday, May 12th, and Saturday, May 13th. That's one way to do it. I'm not going to get too lost in, in that, but I don't know. I imagine somebody, some coach somewhere will have have a thought process there that probably lines up with what I'm currently thinking, which is a little strange. But, hey, I guess if you need to do preliminaries, then... That's the way to do it. Try to include um, our kids. Yeah, yeah. I guess I, you know, better have your best day that day. You would, you would think that with all the times that get recorded over the year, you wouldn't really need preliminaries for for regionals. Kind of like I was alluding to, you can see over the course of the year who's kind of going to be where. Uh, you're not going to get a whole lot of surprises, I guess. You, no. you know, nobody's going to be running a six minute mile and then turn in a four forty mile. Like you're not you're not looking yeah. like that, for instance. Anyways, over to the baseball side of things. Like I said, a lot of local high school baseball in town this week, uh, for anybody looking to catch that. Douglas got its first league win of the season, uh, shutting out Galena one zero Saturday in Minden. Um, ten strikeouts between three pitchers for the Tigers there. Only allowed five hits in total. Cade McIver has continued to be 
insanely impressive. He came on in relief and struck out five batters in two innings, so essentially five of the six or seven batters he faced. Keegan Freeman got the start and had four strikeouts over four innings. Uh, and then Thomas Young stepped on the bump to close out the game, and he had a strikeout as well. He also drove in the game's only run with a single to left field in the fifth to make Douglas 4-6 and six this season overall. They are 1-1 one one in Class 5A league play. Like I said, they're home today, tomorrow against Reed, and then Thursday against Reno as well. So Douglas baseball fans know where to uh, to go for some some uh, baseball action there. On the Carson side of things, they were out in Oregon. Grants Pass. Yeah, they were out in Grants Pass. Um, it threw me off. You told me this after we finished recording last week, that they were playing Douglas, Douglas Oregon. Oregon. <laughs> and then the Game Changer notification came up on my phone on Friday or Saturday. And Carson I was like, Douglas. wait, what? <laughs> How did I not realize this game was going on? Well, it's Douglas, Oregon. And Carson went on to beat them 20-9. to Turned around and beat Glide, Oregon, 22-2. to So an offensive outburst for the Senators over two games there, putting up 42 runs. Parker Maldonado and Marcus Montez both hit home runs in that first game against Douglas, Oregon. They drove in a combined 11 runs. Maldonado had six RBI. Montez had five. Uh, Maldonado ended the game a triple shy of the cycle, too, which, for the record, I've said this before, but is a great name for a podcast, triple shy of the cycle. Uh, anyways, also threw two and two-thirds innings on the hill with a pair of strikeouts. Jeremy Hernandez was two for three in the win with three RBI of his own. Uh, in the beatdown over Glide, Senators had 22 runs on 10 hits. Uh, Hernandez and Montez were the only Carson High players with uh, multi-hit performances, but 11 different Senators got RBIs in, in that win. Um, t- here we go. Here's here's a list of the two RBI, each player for the Senators who had knocked in at least a pair of runs. Tyler LaFollette, Tanner Boheimer, DeCarlo Quintana, Quentin Beck, Demarcus Brewster, and Jack Kleppe. So... Quite a bit of offensive production there for the Senators, who are definitely looking to carry that back into to league play because runs have been kind of hard to come by for them in some of those early games. They will be on the road Thursday at Spanish Springs and then attempt to play Reed at home on April 1st, assuming, you know, weather permitting there. Uh, real quickly run through some Douglas diving results I was able to uh, dig up over the weekend. Uh, Austin Pitts was second in uh, the boys' side of things with a score of 189.65. Uh, he had the second-best dive of the meet in four of his six dives. Uh, forgive me, I don't have the name, but I, I know a, a kid from Bishop Minogue won the boys' side pretty pretty handedly. Uh, Jesse Freeman was third for the boys and uh, with a 173.7. On the girls' side, Haley Peterson was third for the Tigers, and Emily Phillips was fourth. And, yeah, I think that's all the results I'm willing to run through on the podcast without listing over and over and over again. But be sure to check those out online at www.nevadapeel.com and www.recordcourier.com backslash news backslash sports. Uh, lots of good stuff on the website there. Some some good feature stories this week as well. We got a former Douglas High alum who was uh, received the Cal Hope Courage Award, which... As of Tuesday morning, I need to do a little more digging into what exactly uh, entitles you for for that award. But a former Douglas High girls soccer player um, was honored at the San Jose Earthquakes game this past season. So be sure to check that out. And then Nevada spring football is also underway uh, out in Reno. They are getting things 
uh, going there. There's some some local names on the roster there with, of course, Douglas Highs, Chris Smalley, and then Dayton's, Dayton and Carson Highs, Connor Davis, who I believe is a walk-on on to the, the or is a transfer, excuse me, after coming in from uh, Feather River College uh, after a couple seasons there. So some, uh, some storylines to keep an eye on there, especially with... Uh, some local talent, like I said, at, at Nevada. And then um, there's also some uh, track and field runners to watch with the Wolfpack that are local alums as well. So there'll be more on that in the paper also. Jeff, last week we got I got in some college briefs. Um, I don't know if you remember the name Alyssa Smokey out from Douglas High. She's now at Cal Poly Humboldt, formerly Humboldt State, which uh, took me a second to put two and two together there. But just a really impressive week for her, not this past week, but the week prior where she, excuse me, no, this past week where she, I think, had, you know, one run in 13 innings and was also seven of eight at the plate. So pretty much a do it all kind of week for, for Alyssa Smokey there that definitely got her her honored in the paper also. So a few more college briefs in there as well to check out. I know we got some more softball updates from uh, local area players who are playing at the college ranks kind of all over the place so something to keep in mind jeff we are on to the final four in march madness where i believe something like only a thousand people got even the final four right out of however many millions of brackets are you even going to watch the final four because uh the executives are preparing for low viewership over the weekend it is saturday monday i will not be watching on saturday so saturday at three o'clock we have florida atlantic a nine seed against san diego state a five seed and then at 550 we have miami versus yukon according to vegas yukon is the overwhelming favorite to win the whole thing they have looked very good um to this point not that the other teams haven't but yukon has looked mighty impressive and they absolutely dispatched Gonzaga in their last match, beat them by close to 40 points. It was Whoa. was over almost before it started. And uh, just when everybody started thinking that the Zags might finally do it, Zags go and get blown out in the Elite Eight to a to a good Utah team that is absolutely hot at the right time. And I know we're we're a decent pick by a lot of people to to make the finals because they had been so hot as of late, but. Yeah, uh, two five seeds, a four seed, and a nine seed. You know, oh. say what you want about Cinderella, but when it comes to TV viewership ratings, uh, the big dogs do not want the Cinderellas this late. <laughs> you want them early, and then you want them out. Those aren't those are not household no. men's basketball. UConn, from a women's perspective, big big name. In, but Florida Atlantic, San Diego State, and Miami are all making their first Final Four appearance in school history. Wow. Whereas UConn has obviously won a yeah, title before. Right. So UConn, the overwhelming favorite there. They play Miami, who, I mean, it should be a good game, but I would probably lean UConn there. That Florida Atlantic-San Diego State game is going to be interesting because Florida Atlantic's offensive identity is fun, and that team is a lot of fun to watch. But San Diego State just wants to turn it into a mud fight every time they play. The under is 12-0 and in the last 12 San Diego State games, meaning that teams don't score because San Diego State is a top-five defense in the country. So something to keep an eye out on there. My guess would be, yeah, it turns into a good old-fashioned rock fight where they win, you know, somebody wins 62-58 or something like that. Uh, it's not going to be 
an overwhelmingly impressive uh, game, I don't think, unless you're into defensive intensity, which nobody is. Come on. <laughs> Anyways, has has any anything around March Madness caught caught your attention as somebody who's kind of on, on the outside looking in? The number of upsets, or what would be presumed as upsets. Um, but I, you and I were talking a little bit about not necessarily having all of the top prospects playing college basketball anymore. Because, right. I mean, you go back even a few years, you played college basketball, and the teams were, you know, <clears throat> the talk of everything, and those players went right into the NBA or even into the G League and then into the NBA. But uh, now I'm really curious how much it's affected and, and really changed kind of the landscape because it's fairly new. Mm-hmm. Um, and then coming off of COVID, adding that to it, what what's that <laughs> dynamic? And obviously we'll never really truly know. Oh, the but, amount of players I've Googled and gone, wait, he's 25? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you realize, for instance, the Kansas State point guard, they, they are out, they lost, but the... I believe he's like five seven, but you know, set set an NCAA record for assists in a game with nineteen, had twenty points and nineteen assists. He's been in college since twenty seventeen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just crazy to think to think about uh, things in that perspective with injury red shirts, COVID red shirts, transfers. And, yeah. Well, um, Tez. Mm-hmm. Tez is getting his Tez Allen. That is for those of you that have been around Carson basketball. He's getting his master's degree paid for. He's still on scholarship. So he still has college eligibility and he's been away for five years. Yeah, I'm not I mean I'm not not so knocking it, not saying I mean, it's, it's awesome not worth for him. Yeah, not saying it's not worth pursuing. It's just very interesting to be like are these college kids or are these grown men out yeah, here? Are these yeah. you know, young adults versus versus college kids. I do think there's a separator, right? That eighteen to twenty two and then twenty two to twenty six range, you yeah. you grow a lot in different ways in those two ranges. That's yeah. just me. Uh, as somebody who's almost the ripe age of thirty. Uh, <laughs> it's a distant memory. Yeah. Uh, before we get out of here, we'd like to touch on that baseball season starts on Thursday. Uh, the Giants will go out to uh, New York. The A's, I to be honest, I don't even know who the A's open up against. Something to keep an eye on for this season. Something I, this is not my research, but I will credit the podcast I listen to, which is called Effectively Wild. The great baseball podcast. Very nerdy. It's for a very specific audience, but you got to you got to really enjoy baseball is, is what I'll say or or the host. But something they pointed out that I had not considered, the Oakland A's will lose their revenue sharing agreement with Major League Baseball if they do not have a new stadium settled on by January of 2024. So this January, the A's are going to be awful this year. There's a very good chance that this could be the worst season the A's have ever had in Oakland, and yet it could be the most important season the A's have ever had in Oakland because if there's any chance of them staying, which I don't think there is, but if there's any chance of them saying they have to get it worked out before the end of this season because if they lose that revenue-sharing agreement, they're basically turning into a minor league team, which we all kind of joke that the A's are anyways, but you can't lose that revenue-sharing money, especially as an owner, because that's... That's huge, especially for a, a small market team. I'm using air quotes because the Bay Area is not small market, but the A's treat themselves as very much a small market team with a low payroll. Now you got me curious. I'm gonna have to 
So for you Oakland A's fans, or really just Bay Area sports fans, honestly, even I think people who don't care about the Bay Area are still kind of fascinated by, I mean, the top prospect for the A's to move would be Las Vegas, which don't even get me started on why teams want to move to Vegas. It's not, it's not Vegas hate. Let me be very clear. It is media size. The Vegas market is the 46th biggest market in the U.S. It would hands down be the smallest Major League Baseball market by far. So to sit here and listen to the A's owner complain about them not making money in Oakland, what do you think is going to happen when you move to Vegas? Do, do, do the Raiders get that effect of people want to go see their team play against the Raiders? Do they get that you know, travel? I'd have to look into that. I imagine they definitely got some of it. Uh, I imagine some of it was also just like, hey, we're in Vegas and there's a football game. Let's go. Um, I have been in that stadium. It's gorgeous. Uh, it looks like the Death Star from the outside. But once you get inside, you're like, ah, I see why they spent all this money on this. But as of right now, there is nowhere that the A's have like set out in Vegas. There's there's rumors, there's rumblings of it, it could be here. They may demolish this old building here. It could be this open lot here. But there's nothing planned. So the A's have got to figure something out. And I can't imagine Alameda County just buckling and yeah. And it's it's a real it's a real tough situation, mostly caused by the A's owner being a cheapskate because his logic is. I want to move to Vegas, so I'm not going to pay for good players, and I'm going to jack up ticket prices so nobody comes to these games. And then his argument to Major League Baseball is nobody comes to the games, so we should move to Vegas because nobody comes. Well, the fans aren't going because they jacked up ticket prices, and there's nobody to go see because he doesn't want to pay any of the players. He's not a very liked guy down there. No, he's not. I think I may have said this on a podcast previously. I know if you know me in person, I've probably said this before, but I think this is the perfect way to surmise uh, what Fisher is his last name. I don't know his first name, uh, what he's all about. Elvis Andrews is a longtime veteran uh, middle infielder. He's bounced all over the place. Last year, if he had 500 plate appearances, he was eligible for like a three or $4 million bonus, right? It was in his contract that the A's picked up because they got him from somewhere else. The A's cut him at 499 plate appearances. So they didn't have to pay out three and a half, four million dollars. Maybe it was five. That is the that is the level of cheapness we're talking about with a billionaire, a billionaire owner. Yeah. He owns the earthquakes too. Yeah, and they, they stand in line for complaining. Yeah. So, anyways, that's I'll leave leave the baseball talk at that. Um, but keep keep an eye on that this year. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens with with the Oakland A's and. Man, poor city Oakland. They're going to lose all their pro sports teams in a matter of like five years. Yeah. Warriors move across the bay. Raiders leave. And the A's are probably going to lose too. Something's going to happen. So they have to have a new stadium deal. You know, the technicality of it is I should have done more research into before I brought this up. But I wasn't considering going down this road before we started. But, yeah, they have to have at least an agreement of there's going to be, they're either going to stay in Oakland or they're going to move to Vegas. Now, obviously, they're not going to be able to get that stadium built in Vegas by March 2024. That's an absurd yeah. uh, timeline. So the A's would likely be like some of these other franchises that have moved in a temporary home for a year. The Some of the talk is they'd go play with their AAA team in, they're somewhere in California, but, um, oh, no, they're in Vegas. I think the AAA team's in Vegas, actually. 
now I'm drawing a blank on that yeah. AAA team. Yeah, that AAA team is the Las Vegas A's. So okay. they they go play with the Vegas team in or their AAA affiliate down in Vegas. So yeah, we'll see how that all shakes out. But uh, for your fans trying to hope the A's stay in Oakland, I mean, I hope they do, but don't get optimistic. That's that's all I'll say. But uh, Jeff, anything else you want to add before we get out of here? Don't have a thing. All right. Well, that's going to do it for episode 70. Thanks again to today's title sponsor in Played Against Sports, located at the Topsy Lane Shopping Center, the best place to go for all your new and gently used sporting equipment needs. Check them out today or online at www.playedagainstsports.com. That's going to do it for us here at Behind the Bench, and we will catch you guys next week. Take it easy. Take it easy.